0: hi folks welcome to music seeds and music that made us just wanted to do a little introductory here to discuss an event that i was watching today backline.care presented this event called set break it was a live stream event to support mental health and music industry there was quite a bit of artists that performed today one of my favorite bands galactic along with bob weir and the wolf brothers Black Pumas, Ben Folds, Alanis Morissette, Dawes, Lake Street Drive, Larkin Poe, Leon Bridges, Los Lobos, Michael Frante, Old Dominion, Sarah Case, Wycliffe, a lot more artists. I got to see Charlie Tuna today also do a song, which was awesome. The reason I'm doing this little introductory here, because I thought this was a really important event today. There's a lot of causes out there right now. A lot of causes that need help. I feel that with a lot of things that are going on it's kind of important to have that release out there that I really really enjoy and that is music and there's a lot of music benefits that been going out there to help out situations and causes and benefits and supporting mental health for the industry music industry is one of those things that you don't really think about until today. With everything shut down and people turning to you more often than not, alcohol and drugs, isolation and depression, we all seem to be doing, or dealing, I guess is lack of a better word, some inner struggles right now. And um, I just think it's important to get out there, this message to help out certain causes like this. Music can be one of these things that, releases a lot of energy and whether you're dealing with something emotional on your own even before the pandemic people including myself use music as an outlet or release to try and help out your inner feelings to help out your struggles there's a lot of artists that have done that for me in the past ever since I was younger I've had music as an outlet I used to sit in my room with the headphones on and jam out to music sometimes I would uh like to act like I was singing in a band and was performing. I would do that with a lot of artists that were out there. And then I would find music to be kind of a release in some ways to me when I could find a relation with them also. When you build these relationships with artists that you feel sometimes are speaking to you personally, it's a great feeling to have, a great release when you're dealing with pain. I know I've been in my car many times driving and had the radio blaring and be singing a song that was getting all the emotion it possibly could out of me. These artists are going through a lot of pain when they deal with a lot of depression and issues just like we do. And sometimes it's, it's good to have these feelings brought out, it lets, lets the endorphins <laughs> kick in a little bit, you know, and lets you feel, lets you deal with whatever it might be. I mean, ever since I was a kid, like I was saying, you know, like I would listen to Depeche Mode in and, and my teens, and um, they would help me feel a lot of um, things inside. A lot of alternative artists back in the day definitely would do that for me. I discovered them when I was in my teenagers, and as I got older, Trent, you know, Reznor definitely did it with uh, The Downward Spiral and Pretty Hate Machine, both those albums. We were, I was able to get a lot of stuff out of me as far as frustration and isolation of feeling alone. And it's good to get that stuff out. I feel that supporting a cause like this is just really important, and I wanted to just bring that up and say something. And Another thing I checked out this week was another great charity being done. I watched it this past week, and it really touched me. It was uh, for a group called Charlotte's Web. It helps individuals and children through CPD. charlottesweb.com is the um charity site stanley brothers is a farm that helps produce the the cannabis for the cpd out there you can also look up charlotte figgy f-i-g-i and explains a lot about her struggle she dealt with i would love for you to look up and learn more about her struggle and the struggle of others out there this benefit was on the 7th of april and it had artists like glenn phillips of total at sprocket graham nash of crosby stills and nash Michael Franti from Spearhead, the Abbott Brothers, Jeffrey Gaines, Jason Mraz, Wesley Schultz of Lumineers, Corey Glover, Ruthie Foster, Noah Brown, Sarah... I can't say this name correctly, but it's spelled J-A-R-O-S-Z. And many more. There's a lot of people that were on that bill also that I'm probably forgetting. But I feel like it's just important to get these causes out there and get some notice out there. I, I know I'm a small voice, but it's important for... I say that word a lot important important is a strong point for me to get out and say the emphasis on things that are important and things like this are very important because they need our attention sometimes every little bit helps and also knowing that people are maybe dealing with the same struggles and there's some outlets out there to get help i just wanted to talk a little bit about that and i hope that you um reach out if you need help and i just I believe it's a good thing to know that there is help out there. Getting the help, whether it is mental, physical, there is avenues out there to support you and to be there for you. So I thank you for the time, for listening to this. It's just something I felt I needed to say. And I hope you enjoy this little episode here. Jack Miller is a longtime friend of mine. We have a pretty good discussion on music. Um, I have a few more episodes coming out here in the next few weeks that we are going to dive into some music. I'm hoping to get a few individuals in here to do a little music and conversation. Please feel free to reach out to me through any of the links below in the podcast. You can also get a hold of me at that ozomotfan ozomatfan87 at gmail.com That is O Z O. M-A-T-F-A-N-8-7 at gmail.com I would love to hear from some people out there. I'd like to know who's listening. And feel free to uh, bring up anything you want to discuss. Also, I would love to hear from anybody that listens to this that may be a musical artist and would love to do a uh, podcast episode. Please feel free to get a hold of me. Take care, folks. Hope you have a great week, and um, take care of each other out there. Thank you. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds, the music that made us. Hi, uh, this is Johnny here with Music Seeds, and uh, today I have a good friend of mine that uh, I've been actually keeping in touch with like ever since I moved back here in illinois and um he's a good friend of mine and i uh really love conversing with him through uh like facebook and stuff about music but today i get to have actually a good conversation with him about it uh this is jack miller hi how you doing doing good buddy doing good (laughs) so one thing we do have in common also besides you know working for uh the music store and then i'm also living in colorado and everything is that you are also from the illinois area the chicago area right
1: i am born, born and raised in chicago that's
0: correct yes sir North so- yes so- sir <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing that we always like have talked about all over the past few years and everything is Definitely the Chicago Cubs, and uh, it was really great to see them finally win a World Series. And during our lifetime, I was, I was there. And yes, I you went to
1: Chicago were. To Chicago
0: just to be there for that. Yeah, you got a lot more balls than I do, man. I was like, I don't know if I want to go down and like deal with all that shit. I mean, part of me did, and, you know, and everything. But I've been fortunate enough to see um, a few shows there at Wrigley, which has been awesome too. So that's true. Yeah, you got, that's
1: the one thing you got to do, I have not.
0: And I, I gotta tell you, man, the last one out of all the ones I've been to was the one that impacted me the most. And I think I've mentioned it before, but I'll mention again. It was that it was the last Pearl Jam show they had in uh, Wrigley in 2018. And I was lucky enough to be um, on the field. And I turned around, and I could see like maybe about 10 to 20 feet away from me, first base. And it blew my mind. It was like it it blew. Like I'm sitting there. I'm like I'm seeing my favorite band in Wrigley Field. I'm actually on the field where you know the Cubs play and I was it was one of the best moments of my life and I always being on
1: the field definitely is special back back in the olden days when I was living home they had picture day where you could take pictures of the players and he allowed us on the warning track to take the pictures they had the the players on the field so I've actually been on the field as well there's (sighs) there's nothing like it it's you know it's the same when you go to a football team any kind of thing and when you're on the field of a you know a team that you love there's something special about that i don't know how to explain that i guess if you're a fan you do understand
0: right easily man and I, and I love that when you were growing up in chicago what what is like the f- the first kind of music that you were listening to that you remember when you were really little maybe something that was like in the car or at home
1: way back was seven, obviously i'm like, a music fan for life and the first piece of music i remember latching to was the lonely bull by Herb Albert and Tijuana Brass.
0: Holy and that was shit!
1: Now it's because of my grandmother. My grandmother was a big Herb Albert fan, you know. And then, you know, my mom as well. Well, there was almost always music playing. Yeah. You know, my my, my mom, my grandmother, they enjoyed putting on the old records, the old vinyl, you know, which I know you're a fan.
0: Of. <laughs> um,
1: and that's the first, I guess, the first piece of music I really related to. And then my mom listened to everything. She, you know, she was from Mot. She turned me on to a lot of Motown, the Fifth Dimension. Yes. And yeah, I mean, so I mean, stuff like that. And and then my dad and my stepmom, when I moved from my mom to my dad's, they liked all the oldies but goodies. I guess you know, the, you know, the old '50s, '60s rock and roll. That's where I grew up on that. Nice. And then as I became my own person, I was a radio junkie, pop radio. You know, that's, oh. that's what I listened to. It was oh.
0: Top forty radio. Yeah, we and we lived. We lived during one of the best times, in my opinion, with pop music from the '80s. You know, I mean, we had such an eclectic taste of music from the 80s, that it's just, it's mind-blowing when you go back and, like, think about all the artists that came out in the 80s. I mean, with a big part of it being MTV and everything, it's just amazing to think about all the bands that were popular and still are popular to this day.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's why you have channels on, like, the satellite radios, like First Wave, and the 80s hair metal channels, and things like, you know, things that are dedicated to just that genre of music. It's amazing, uh-huh. that it's, you know, it's the test of time. And that's—I mean, that's, thats kind of what that's—that's I mean, that's what music's all about. That's I mean—it's it's, a—it's a slice of time. It takes you back. You hear something, and it brings you to that
0: moment. Oh yes. It makes you
1: feel a special feeling. You know, that's—I think that's why you become an, a music fan. Because there's people out there who just music is—is is in the background. But to me and you, yes, it's life. It's—it's it's, you know, I have to have music every day.
0: It fuels Like, even this morning, Jack, i got to be honest. We used to have new music Tuesdays when we worked at the, uh, with the store. That Monday, we would see everything coming. A lot of times, we knew what was coming in, but sometimes we didn't. So, like, this morning, one of the, my regular routines now is I'm in Apple Music, and playlist put everything underneath the new music for Friday. And I love going through and, like, seeing... Okay, this came out today, this came out today, and like listening to it. And, and then they also have like a, another area that has like coming soon. They'll put like a couple tracks to something out that is going to be out eventually. I tell you, it's one of those things that brings back a lot of those memories when I worked at the store and everything. And right. we were fortunate enough to see a lot of developing bands. And we're fans of bands that not many people ever really, you know,
1: heard of. They tried, they, yeah. put their, they put their music out there, we got to hear it, and we're like, wow, these guys are great. And they never really, you know, achieved, let's say, a high level of success, but I mean, we, you know, in the, in the, you know, the industry, I could call it the industry, all of us record store managers, when we shared stuff, we'd say, hey, have you heard this, you heard that, check that out. You know, bands like Spot, I'm a huge Spot fan. I mean, you know, they only had a couple of albums, but I mean, a three-piece, you know, three piece, you know trash rock band out of Texas they were great you're a huge Ozo Motley fan I know that yes, and yeah. and even though they're, they're pretty big the casual music listener doesn't know who they are I have one of my guilty pleasures that people always give me grief about
0: when I used to DJ played this album just because was the Don Johnson album <laughs> with Dweezil Zappa
1: well yeah he, he produced that album and played on it right and uh, yeah the Heartbeat album I love that album, I, you know, that's just me, you know, because music is art, and it's all subjective, so I, I play, and I get in a my moods, I'd be driving to work or whatever, and i throw that on there, and people are like, what the heck is that? I, <laughs> Don Johnson.
0: You just <laughs> totally made me realize something that I had in my record collection, that I have uh, the Bruno uh, record with Bruce Willis. You
1: know, it's actually not a bad album either. He wasn't a great singer, but it, for what it was, which was a basically kind of a bar blues, yeah. bluesy kind of thing, it was good. And man, that guy can play harmonic. Definitely blow the heart. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's good to be said about most music.
0: Oh, and and that's the thing I always get into arguments with people about is that yeah, I know it's really hard as you get older. You're like, what the hell is this? Is this even music? And you know, you get in those debates and everything. And I mean, I always tell people it's every generation, man. That's true. very it, true. I mean, it, you know, ever since the rock and roll came out, and you know, the parents are like, "It's the devil's music," you know, it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> the devil. Who's the devil this week? I think it's Little Nas, right? <laughs> right, because I mean, you know, back in the day, it was first it was Elvis, and it was the Beatles, and it was you know. Um, I don't know, who who was the singer-songwriter? Bob Dylan was the devil. I mean, everybody, you know, every generation, it was the devil. You know, then it was, then during grunge, it was Kurt Cobain, and, you know, always somebody.
0: Or even Ozzy, for that matter. Ozzy got so much shit.
1: Well, for sure, he survived it all. That's why I call him the Elvis of heavy metal.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> he's 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 withstood the test of time and oh. if ever watch a T V show he's become this doting old granddad mm-hmm. who just happens to be the Prince of Darkness.
0: <laughs> but back to, you know, the different generational thing, I think that he was definitely somebody that you know it could have been for for money you know he embraced the new genre of music and doing doing that post malone song which is amazing just a great fucking song man
1: i think he's just open he's he's an um, he's just like us he's an he's audio file he's an unabashed beatles maniac kind of guy who's loved music as well and even he said that he's i don't think i'm all that talented he he knows he's lucky to have the career he's had, mm-hmm. and that uh, he's. Uh, but he likes music too. So if someone comes to him and says, "Hey, you want to sing on my song?" And if he's a fan of that guy or, or that genre of music, he's like, "Sure, I'll you know, like look at lead, what he did for Lita Ford." Yeah, you
0: know, that's a great fucking that, song too.
1: Not that Lita's not talented on, on her own, right? But I mean, sometimes you get two you know people like that together, and it takes it to another level. Yeah. You
0: know? <laughs> Made me, as I'm thinking here about Lita Ford, you know, being with the Runaways and everything. like Somebody else I've been fortunate enough to see, I don't know if you have, is uh, Joan Jutt.
1: Twice. Lily, it's like Lily's first like official concert, my daughter, Lily. Um, that's like one of her, I think it was her first official concert. Because she had been at shows, like in a car carrier that we brought her to. <laughs> You know things like that, but the first one she could actually attend and enjoy. It was at the um, Taste of Colorado, you yeah. know, and she, she put on a fantastic show as as she always does. And uh, the funny thing was, as she's leaving the stage later on, as we're in the crowd, we can see her in her little van. We we're as close as I am to you, technically You're right. She was right there, and I, I yelled, "I'm like, you know, hey, thanks, Joan!" And she looked up and she gave us a wave. So that was so Lily really was like, "Oh, oh my god!" Yeah,
0: was <laughs> that was so great. You took Lily to those shows. That's oh, yeah, hey, Lily. Lily. Saw Big Bad Voodoo Daddy when she
1: was a baby as well you talk about possibly talking about the conventions that's one of our greatest memories is hanging with Big Bad Voodoo
0: Daddy. I remember that one a lot that was yeah that was a crazy one I remember the big Foo Fighters poster in the back remember that Yeah, and they, that was every time I think and that's when I talk
1: about a bucket list guy that's somebody i am working really hard to try to meet Dave Grohl yes. I want to meet him so bad because he just seems like a regular guy yeah the yes. to be a rock star every interview every TV show every video all the stuff you see with him he just looks like a guy who just like us enjoys music who happens to be this huge rock star but we can sit down and have a conversation like this yes um but that was the year with the when i think it was the, what's the color and the shape that came out yes exactly yeah yes yep. And, and but there was the big promo video for it where mm-hmm. he's sitting in the studio acting like he's hung over and it's like i was in nirvana
0: man
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, you can tell he was just kidding around but it was just such a funny moment and they had that stamp with the Foo Fighters logo that we were stamp- stamping everything with, that ink stamp. Yeah!
0: <laughs> I still got a mess load of stickers. The, I uh, have a
1: couple of those too. What, the, the yeah. glitter or whatever
0: inside of them and That's, everything? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Put one
1: on my car and it didn't last. I'm like, well, I'm not going
0: to that anymore. I'm going to hang on to these. Things. Yeah, yeah. Well, so
1: you saw, um, I'm, I'm assuming you've
0: seen Sonic Highways, right? Oh, God, I've seen everything like you, man. I, I'm looking forward to the, the HBO thing with his mom. But...
1: Yeah, no, me too. But, uh, again, yeah, Sonic Highways was fantastic. And that, you know, that's another thing we're talking about. You know, the, the kindness of Dave Grohl. There was, when they were recording in New York, and he's standing outside the studio door having a cigarette. And a father and son walk by, and the dad does a double take, like, "Did I just see?" He's all like, hey, "He hey," and he up puts his hand out, "Hey, Dave." And I was like, "Yeah, okay." And he shakes his hand. And he's like, "He's like, yeah." So what's up? He's like, "Oh, we're recording here. Do you want to come in and take a look?" Just takes these random father and son into the studio to show them around and go, "You know, hey, this is what we're doing because." The guy wasn't sure he saw, you know, who he saw. And he did the, he went out of his way to say, Yes, I'm Dave Grohl. Hi, nice to meet you. Come look at what I'm doing. I'm like, come on, who does that? No, 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 rock star does that. Yeah. And it's nice to see someone who appreciates their fans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and while in the circle back we talk about Ozzy, that's another person who every chance he gets talks about how with without the fan they would be nothing. He would be nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's so rare nowadays to some of these newer artists I don't think appreciate the fact that these people spend their money, come to the concerts, buy the merchandise, buy the records, or the downloads nowadays. And you know, so I, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of these stars nowadays or these people who are successful understand that. Especially nowadays, the money is tight. During the pandemic, people still buy music. My daughter and I are huge Twenty One Pilots fans. Speaking of new,
0: music. so are, yeah, so are my nieces. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
1: love them too. I mean. You know, I love I love to find new music that kind of strikes a chord with me, but the you know, the kids like the kids. I feel like oh, grandpa here, you? you know, it's nice. I don't I don't think too many, but I, well, they relate to I me. Mean, there's a handful of new music coming out now because people were quarantined that they didn't know what else to do. What are you going to do? Make music, you know. People putting out new music for that. Yeah. That's you know because it's not they have nothing else to do, but also they know their fans are going to want. You know, they want to hear what they're doing, they yeah. want new music too. Nice. Level of Concern, that's the name of the song.
0: Yeah, the Level of Concern by 21 but, Pilots?
1: Yes. Basically, that's directly about the pandemic and stuff, because that's, you know, everybody you go, it's like, level, everything's about levels, and masks, and you know, they can't, you know, can't do this, can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, the song was kind of based on that whole feeling of level of concern, and the discussion is about him and his relationship with his... Significant other, mm-hmm. we are, they have a level of concern of what, where we stand right now because of everything that's going on.
0: Yeah, you know? tying it back to what you just said, and Dave Grohl, and he's mentioned about times that he's um, hung out with like Taylor Swift, or with Paul McCartney and Taylor Swift, and okay. Dave Grohl all in the same room. He's like talked about how much he respects her as a singer or songwriter, and I do too. And that was what I was just going to say is that she just made these last two albums under the pandemic. I like i was a fan of her music before but those last two albums like just holy shit dude i'm like this this really is oh my um, gosh
1: i have not heard the whole things. i've heard snippets here and there um I, I as well as a taylor swift fan i appreciate the fact that she was so talented at a young age and when they made the big deal about her moving from country to pop it felt manufactured because it didn't, it didn't feel organic Unfortunately, but mm-hmm. it still wound up being successful. You know, when Shake it, you know, Shake it off was the big pop, you know, songs she yeah. was going to release. When I first heard it, I'm like, okay, but then of course it grabs you. It's got a hook that you know don't yes. stop it. Yeah, What are you going to do? And then that whole the you know, whole album was excellent. It was so well produced, so well written, so well performed. I mean, she's yeah. and she seems like she's not very arrogant or diva-ish in, in their in no. her kind of light as another part. one yeah, that
0: appreciates I, her fans.
1: Right, it's a matter of inspiration i guess yes you know what, what's insp- what's going to inspire you is it does it take a tragedy does it take i mean i know she gets a lot of grief for the whole ex-boyfriend thing yeah you know but, <laughs> but i mean but, but it's not just her i mean yeah. it's not just that um it's like even whether you're a songwriter or you're a novel writer people what do they tell you write what you know
0: yeah and people can relate to it that's why her stuff gets embraced All everybody's right. been Absolutely. through a breakup yeah. or relationship or something like that Yeah, you can give her crap for all that. That's easy for trolls and people that want to hate on somebody. You know, it's so easy to go after somebody just because you don't like them. Here's the other factor of that. It's making all these millions of people happy. So maybe your hate isn't going to be the thing that gets noticed as much as the ones that love something. And that's what I'm saying. There's going to be things that we don't like and we don't agree with. But to attack it is kind of like, well, just back off and say that's not my thing.
1: I used to be that way. I have to say, I used to summarily, you know... I'd push out of hand things I didn't like, or say that that was bad. And as you know, as I grew older and listened to more, I might even even though I've been, had a large taste in music, I try to expand it even even more. Like, like the odd thing for me, or I'm surprised that I've listened to a lot more is Post Malone. I, I, I've recently become a big fan of his. Me too. Now, yep. that being said, I've listened. You know, I have you create little stations on your streaming services and stuff, and similar artists, uh, Travis Scott's, and uh, others similar to that, you know, kind of like close Malone-ish. I don't care for those guys as much. Now I don't know what it is about Post singing or maybe songwriting or something that yeah. I enjoy him, but not the others as much. Now that kind of that kind of parallels my love for reggae mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: because I love Bob Marley, but I'm not a huge fan of reggae in general. So yeah, so I find that with it's- a lot of
0: people though. I find that a lot of people love Bob, but they're not into reggae. I love that you are too, because he's one of my i've said this in past podcasts too if everybody goes who would you love to see living or die he's the top of the list because i know he's going to put on a great live show
1: oh absolutely did you have you i'm sure you saw his documentary it's like, it's like three hours long or
0: something
1: yes the very beginning of his career like when he him and his
0: little group got together mm-hmm. and the guy who was producing wouldn't even let them perform
1: for like a year they had to you know they had to work and practice fine tune before they can even that was like I was like, "Oh my God!" You talk about dedication to craft. First thing to do when you join a band, speaking from experience, is you want to get out there and play. You want to you want to be in front of people. I don't, yeah. I don't care if you're stink
0: or what. <laughs> well, here tying Bob even to what I'm thinking right now too is talk about an example of somebody that was a had a a good spirit and a good drive for what he believed in when it came to his music. How now it's been this continuing thing even decades after him being gone. I mean, that is a true, the true description of somebody that's a great artist, and I think that's why you see artists like, you know, like we said about Swift and Grohl and other people. Like, if you put your heart into it and you are, like, that positive vibe out there, your stuff's going to be, like all over the place because your energy and your dedication and your willpower that's driving all of that is going to be a reflection upon your style and it's going to be a reflection on what you represent as far as a musical artist
1: oh true yeah what it's going to come through that if if it's sincere opposed to pandering or just you know hey hey, this is what's selling right now i'll write that exactly most i said whose style varies throughout the years um, Metallica is a good example of that. That they got a lot of grief when the you know, the Black Album came out. They changed their style. Or REM too. That's another grand band I bring up when we talk about state changing styles. That um, they sold out. And well, no, artists evolve and, and they grow. And then after several albums or several styles of music, then their music starts to change. Now is it you, their fault for changing, or is it your fault for not, you know, changing with yeah. them and you know, understanding that? Yeah. You know, said Metallica gets a lot of gr- got a lot of grief for years for that, and I was always like, hey, they did it. You know, they with the album before, which was Injustice for All, they took that thrash, like typical thrash style, to its infinite point as far as they were concerned. Mm-hmm. And now they want to do something different, and even they discussed the fact. I was like, wow, is this, you know, this new music we're doing? Is this really Metallica? And they came to the decision that as long as it was them, Lars, Lars and James mostly, as mm-hmm. long as we were our, us doing our music, it's always going to be Metallica and it was a good point, R.E.M. was the same way when um, uh, was it Out of Time came out, and Losing My yes, Religion became yes, so huge, yes. all the college fans were like oh they sold out, oh my god, they're not our little band anymore, it's like well, did you expect them to just play bars their entire career, yep. this is what they revolved into, they didn't They didn't write those songs to try to get a hit mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I don't know these guys personally maybe they. it was in the back of their minds but it felt organic. It felt like they grew to that. Yes. And then finally, the rest of the world caught up to what was going on. Now, Chicago was already big, at least in the heavy metal circles. Yeah. The Black Island just made them worldwide, like, more popular yeah. sensations. That's all. Yeah.
0: You see that with, like who we just mentioned, you see that with Foo Fighters getting as big as they are. Um, you see that with Pearl Jam. especially with their last album. They got a lot of crap for it, but it's a great fucking album. You can see where their influences came from. <laughs> and the biggest one of all, the biggest one of all that gets shit to this day, who is the most hugest band in the whole frickin' world is U2. And they're talk about somebody that changed their styles and changed the way they are. And they're... they're...
1: And I look, everything from... You look at you know the entire progression between from Boy all the way to what was the last I don't know what the last album was called you know that was you talk about a a career path that goes like this yeah and just and musically and sonically and you know it's like all of that and I don't know sometimes the bands get they get crapped on for other things not just the music yes you know uh, because of like you know, Bono gets very, he's very involved in you know political causes. And, but he's uh, been that
0: way since the beginning. <laughs>
1: absolutely, no, you're right. But I mean, but people didn't pay attention to it until they got bigger. When
0: his voice got louder, when he was just Paul Houston of this little band, yeah, as both
1: being Bono, you uh-huh. know, then it's a different.
0: It was funny because I, I never knew about it until I delved into it deep. Why is he wearing glasses all the time? I didn't know he had a stigmatism problem with his because eyes and just stuff. Because,
1: just because he doesn't talk about it all the time, people think he's being aloof or, oh, he's a rock star. He's got to wear sunglasses. No, there's a reason for it. He just doesn't feel the need to explain himself. Yeah. You know, that's not you know, that's not right. It's like, do you bother? Hey, why do you like you ask every guy, why do you wear that eye patch? Did you lose an eye? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, let's go down to something real personal, right? No, but I, I think I, I think that you you hold a very valid point. As somebody, especially now in this day and age with social media and just being access to everything, the level of haters and the level of like popularity just seems to get higher and higher. It's so easy to like just have snippets of attack or snippets of what you want. And I love that these bands can. They can overcome these, you know, obstacles and still maintain the popularity and still maintain the music. Because I, I've been, I've watched a couple of those videos that YouTube dropped on YouTube catalog of music, and it blows my mind the level of performance stature they're still at to perform these songs and to like give it their all every night.
1: Oh yeah, that I've seen YouTube twice. Uh, both in large stadium settings. I mean, unfortunately, I wish I would have been able. You know, being a fan, I wish I was able to see them in, in the like the smaller settings. But even in the large settings, it's uh, you feel connected to the band. You know, some bands lose something when the larger they get when they get these, you know, these big arenas and things like that. Yeah. Um But the, the U two did not. Both times we saw them, they were fantastic.
0: A plus level I mean, performances. The
1: connection. It was like I don't, I don't know how to explain that. I mean, luckily we had one time we had really good seats where they i'm sure you've seen some of their stage setups where they have the satellite stage where the lead you know the small stage from the yes and they played there quite a bit we were like two rows from that so you're so looking, looking looking into his eyes <laughs> here's what he does i mean that's the thing you can go up there and you can go through the motions or you can actually perform yeah you did, know there's a yeah. difference
0: did you get lost in bono's eyes jack
1: um, I did not. Shailene she tried to touch him. Shailene is my wife. For those, it was it was funny because you know he's reaching out to the crowd. Yeah. She stands on the backs of the seats and is reaching out for him. So my me and her best best friend I have to hold her from falling into the crowd, trying to touch Bonham.
0: That's awesome, dude. I love that. Made her made her moment though, didn't it? She's got that to remember forever.
1: Hey, we're talking about it, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're gonna go back again to like when you were like a teenager, you know. So you're a teenager, and what was what was in your collection of music when you were a teenager?
1: Well, I was, I was still a pop kind of, I was a pop guy until I hit high school, really. That's mm-hmm. that was the big turning point. Uh, I met my friend. Uh, I'll show, throw a little shout out to him. His name is Tim Knight. Um, he turned me on to quite a different, a few few different things. Turned me on to Iron Maiden. Which was a huge touchstone for metal for me, obviously. because I'm a big metal head. You
0: must be happy that uh, they're going to get finally into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year.
1: About down time yeah. I mean, Don't give me stuff. I'll go on to Eddie Trunk's ranch if you get me going on the uh, yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> he turned me on to. It was a big you know, Maiden was a big touchstone for metal to me because I was different. It was you know, that 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 British heavy metal kind of thing. It was a, and the cover art, you know.
0: Um, oh yes, with Eddie.
1: Yes, I okay, can't Derek Riggs. Nice guy. I met him, actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, he's a very nice guy. Very nice gentleman. But that was that. And he turned me on also to um, early Rainbow, you know. And uh, also, he he fosters my love of progressive rock, which is my other love. I mean, come to my head, if someone says, what's your favorite music? I'd have to say heavy metal and progressive rock. Mm-hmm. Those two, I can live and die by those two musics. And not that I don't like everything, but that's what I come back to all the time. Yeah. And as he turned me on to that, he turned me on to uh, UK. There's a band called UK. Early, early progressive in the vein of like, uh, uh yes, you know, okay, orchestrated with only mm-hmm. three members of uh, fantastic players. Eddie Jobson's a uh, violinist, a violinist, keyboard, guitar player, and a, and a drummer. That's pretty much all it was. But you know, that early progressive rock, uh, that was in there in the late 70s, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, he fostered the, 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 that curiosity. That's what it comes down to is when someone turns you on, like if I say, hey, you never heard of UK. Now, after this, you may go check out what UK is all about, and then you fall in love with that, and then it, you listen to other progressive rock bands or something similar. That's what happened to me in high school, is that people, you got exposed to people outside of your neighborhood and your little you know little bubble now, because I went to an all-city high school. So, you know, so I went to so lots and lots of people. I went to Lane Tech. You know, and you know, I mean, if you're familiar with Lane Tech, uh-uh. it's like, Oh, it's like eight square blocks in the corner of Addison and West. Virginia. It's a huge high school, and it was an all-city high school, so you got to meet all these different people who brought their experiences there. And as I said, he taught me. Yeah. You know he I even taught. He exposed me to these 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 musics. And next thing you know, yeah. I was off and running. And then that was it. I was you know, I was done for. Well, that's cool. I mean, because cool. I mean, that's that's what it really my taste really kind of got all over the place. I come listening. You know, uh, listened to Richie Blackmore's Rainbow with Dio on vocals, which led to listening to more Dio early stuff. His his band called Elf. Um, yeah, and, and things like that. I mean, so that that, and of course, then following his career you know, as it as it progressed, and you know, and just and then you know, turning out to yes, uh, a friend of mine says, hey, "You got to hear this album. What's it called? Left Overture by Kansas." I used to listen to that album almost monthly and once a month I still love that album everything about it I've seen Kansas five times I mean every time that I can, can see Kansas I will see
0: Kansas Yeah. even without the, most of the original members they still put together a two that are left still just the, the drummer Phil Ehart and
1: uh the guitar player the, the big guy with the eye patch speaking of eye <laughs>
0: <laughs> right so on Yes,
1: I mean so that's why as high school was concerned that's kind of where my I guess my taste matured I don't go away from the radio to choosing the music I want to listen to because yeah. I was definitely was a radio guy all the time you know mm-hmm. I just went around the dial and yeah. I didn't have as much but then once that happened oh and before and just before that kiss
0: yeah, it was, that was a lot of people's generation. One the
1: kids' army growing up in my, my generation.
0: Yeah, I, it's amazing to see all the um, bands now that have been influenced by them. It blows my mind just the level of influence with guitarists and musicians that are out there. When did you transition from the Chicago area out to Colorado?
1: I moved to colorado in 1984 so i've been here for 35 years going on 36 years mm-hmm. i've actually lived longer here than i grew than, than my hometown and, yeah. I, and i get into this debate with some of my, my friends and family they're like well aren't you from chicago and i'm like well yes i'm chicago is my home but i live in colorado you know yeah I'm, I'm kind of a dual citizen as far as i'm concerned because when i go back to chicago to visit i feel just as comfortable i, I still yeah. wear everything at that uh, I eat, I gained 10 pounds because, you know, so <laughs> there's, there's the good.
0: <laughs> so, so then how did you um get into like working for the music store then? How did that all happen and get about?
1: You know, I, I just lucked out when I first moved to Colorado, I needed a job and I, I, that was my goal. I wanted to, you know, I, used, I was doing a little bit of retail when I was in my early, you know, 15, 16 years old kind of thing. And when I moved out here, I wanted to work in a record store. So I applied Mm-hmm. And I was lucky enough to become a third key or a second assistant manager at Sam Goody. It was actually the music land in Buckingham square is where i started and um i did that for quite a quite a long time and then i left left the business and then came back and one of the people I trained
0: became a store manager, and he brought me back in as soon as I got up they brought me back in. <laughs> Yeah. And I,
1: but he brought me back because I wanted to you know, I missed working for the record industry because that's you know it's, it's yeah. in my nature Yeah, and then I was there God I was with Sam Goody for almost 20 years I'd say I mean I mean, I worked retail for close to 30 years total but I mean yeah. most of that time was spent in the record industry which was great because I worked there I wouldn't have met people like you and my wife worked there I didn't mm-hmm. meet her through Sam Goody but she also spent quite a bit of time working for the retail record industry and she also yeah. had time working for Sony Music with our, with our friend Sanja
0: Jones you know yep going into all of that, you know, we're going to delve into this, is that we were very fortunate to live during a time in music that was huge, like gigantic.
1: Oh, oh my God, I it can't even begin to, to compare it to anything prior or since. The, during that time that we were all together, mm-hmm. right? you, me, and all the others. And, and the thing that I loved about what we did, not only just because it was about music, we were a very close-knit bunch of managers the store managers we we knew each other we knew each other's taste and we knew we could pick up the phone it's like if I needed a question answered, I didn't know I could pick up the phone and it's like yeah, I knew you had your
0: specialty we bonded together over the music and yeah. the fact that we wanted to
1: share that and give good customer service and that sounds kind of you know stereotypical to say because we were in retail but we did and that was yes. the loves music so much, we wanted to make sure that the people leaving loved music almost as much as we did. Yeah, And I don't think you find that a lot. Well, there's not a lot of record stores that left, but even later on, there wasn't a lot. There were just, people, it was just jobs to people. We didn't look at it that way.
0: And I mean, that was unfortunate with the outcome of the store and the company was that it was it, it came to like this machine that just kept on getting money, you know, and kept on like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then when the transition happened from hardline copy to digital it was one of those reality checks that unfortunately our company didn't embrace um it was
1: well, it's unfortunate and you can say that about a lot of meats because uh, look at uh, photography the same thing yes as as times and things change you either embrace and go with the flow and try to maintain your profitability in, within the new genre or you hold on so tight to what you know that it cost you everything, and that's kind of what happened with the record industry. Yeah, they held up, instead of embracing streaming and you know Apple Music and all the things that, that came along. They looked at it as as an enemy or something to fight against, mm-hmm. and they uh, they lost that battle. Yeah, you know, and now and, and now it's a shame because I miss. I mean, I still go into the small independent record stores because it's yeah. fun to you know, and I know you do as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we share that because I can spend two hours just just thumbing through what's in there because I miss that and I enjoyed that. But I mean, it's just the the companies and everything uh, uh, by themselves did that or did that to themselves, and you're seeing that now. Well, you saw that with digital photography. Where's Kodak? Yeah, Kodak was one of the oldest companies you know ever in, in America, and they didn't they didn't they, they relate to the party of getting into digital, and unfortunately they got left in the wayside. You know, they got left yeah. left behind, and we're seeing that now. With um, I work in the alternative. Uh, energy field at working wind and uh, things are moving in that direction not that we'll yeah. ever get away from fossil fuels and stuff, but we're moving towards and i have to give some of the power companies credit because at least they're smart enough to start building windmills now yes know that they're going to go that direction so that's mm-hmm. one of the few industries that are going we better do this now or just like with the record stores and stuff, so they're going to get left behind yeah you know that somebody else is going to come along and do it and do it cheaper you know kind of thing
0: you know that's one thing um i definitely wanted to discuss you know for a bit too because i always in these conversations love to talk about people and what they're doing now and um what they want to promote as far as you know what what their livelihood is and that's one thing i've noticed with you is that you are in this industry that is becoming something that is a big transition how do you and you kind of talked about how you feel about that how long you been with them
1: uh, about six years I've been working for Vestas they're with the largest wind energy turbine uh, company in the world and that's the nice thing about what we do is that I well I mean I think I feel I'm very proud of working in that industry as so I have nothing, I have nothing against other forms nothing against solar or you know oil and gas I have nothing against that they all gotta work together and there's never one source of energy and we need to as a society decide that we're going to you know, do what's best for the planet and for us mm-hmm. and I think that's why what we do is, is important um, it's nice to hear that uh, the new administration is talking about a big offshore wind project. Um, mm-hmm. So it looks like that will probably be. And I would assume that we'd be involved in that. I don't know. I'm just some guy who works on a dock. Right. I mean, I've done. I've been in my six years there. I've done everything. Right. And currently, I'm working. I'm a clerk on the dock, and I like what I do because I'm very multifaceted, mm-hmm. a jack of all trades. As <laughs> the they teach me at work all the time because I have done. I've done, a, I've done a lot. I've worn a lot of hats within my company, and mm-hmm. I do enjoy what I do. Um, so it's nice and that, that, that afford and the nice thing about this, it's a four day work week. It affords me time to spend you know time with you on a Friday afternoon.
0: There you go, man. I, I love your passion for that, you know because it's important to have a passion for what you're doing. You if know you
1: like your job you don't have to love your job because there's, no. there's very few people in the world who get to do what they love for a living. Yeah, right. We all yeah. can't be rock stars and doctors and lawyers. you know you have to find something that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. And as long as you like what you do for a living, yeah, life is easier. I mean, you don't have to. Yeah. You don't have to love it, but if it's hard to get up in the morning to do to a job you hate, mm-hmm. life is so much tougher. You yeah. know, that, that's that's only that's my little nugget of wisdom I can share with people is just find a job at least you enjoy enough that yes. you don't mind getting out of bed. To-
0: it is very very important to do that. And speaking of things you like, I know at one time you were uh, in a band. That was something that you really liked. You are you still doing anything with that, or is it just that back then? <laughs>
1: in several bands over the years, even my back in Chicago days, I was in a couple bands in Chicago and then when I came to Colorado I finally was able to find a good good group of guys that we you know hung together for a few years. Uh, to answer your question, no, I've retired from professional I don't do I used to DJ as well. So yeah. and there was a time in my life where I was managing a record store DJing in the bars, and I had a band, so my entire life revolved around music. Yeah, and I was never happy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but the money wasn't always great, so I mean, yeah. there's, there's a little trade-off there. No, I, I definitely had a passion for live performing. There's nothing, nothing more exhilarating than standing on any stage, whether it's six inches high or forty feet in a stadium. Uh, there's something about that give and take with an audience. Yeah, um, that, that's enjoyable. That, that, that yeah. a, you know, it, it's electric. It's electric. I guess that's the best way to. You feel that, yes. You know, and and I and I'm not. I would never complain to be a musician. I was always the singer, the front man. That was my fun. I I enjoyed that banter and that you know the you know playing with the crowd and, and performing. You know the guys around me, they were the true guys. They were the musicians. They were mm-hmm. the ones who put it up, put it down. I just played music. I always laid my vocals on top of what those, these guys were doing. Yeah, you know, I was lucky uh, to work with some very talented people.
0: Yeah, and one of those experiences that I remember that got you to me <laughs> One of the best guitar legends ever, and that was. I
1: thought you were gonna say Steve Vai for a second. I met him twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a super nice guy, and he's the goofiest guy you'll ever see. He's like seven feet tall. The guy's like a tree. He goes <laughs> to shake your hand, and you lose your hand. And he's all, "Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve. Nice to meet you." He's like the goofiest guy, but when he's on stage, you watch him, you are just in amazement. Yeah. You know, the, the the pure talent. You talk. We were talking about. Weasel Zappa, little, there's, there's
0: another Zappa protege right there with yeah. uh, Steve Vai. Steve, uh, Diva, I always remember like, the first time I remember seeing him was in Crossroads. Yeah, with uh, yeah. well, with Ralph Macchio. That movie, you know. Is it like an Oscar-winning movie? No, but is it one of these movies that will like when you see it on, you'll be like? I'm going to check this. It's,
1: it's a it's a fun little movie. It's you know, it's not as like you said. It's not you know, Oscar caliber, but it's a fun movie to enjoy. Uh, all the performances are good, and then the, the guitar battle at the end is classic.
0: Yes, and exactly.
1: A little, a little, a little, a little tidbit there that Steve Vai actually played both guitar parts in that uh, battle. Yeah, and then and but that's a class. You can, all you got you to do is YouTube that guitar battle. And it's worth watching just because it's such a. It's a
0: fun little thing. Uh It's great that we can do that. Just jump on YouTube and watch it. And then he went on to obviously work with Diamond Dave. I mean, he yeah, had he had, like so, he had his solo he had his hard solo hard albums. albums out, but then he worked on with Diamond Dave. Yes, well,
1: yeah, he did um, uh, "Eat Him a Smile" and "Skyscraper," I believe. I think he put in a couple solo albums and had a band project for a while. My my residence divide expert is my friend Susie Susie Imus. <laughs> <I miss. laughs> she yeah. is a bi fanatic, so if I have a bi question, she's the one to talk to. Then he went back to solo stuff. In fact, I don't know. Recently, there's been a lot of value about his last his most recent song here. He did the whole song with just his left hand.
0: Wow!
1: You go out there watching him do this thing, and it's a good song. And just to watch him, the dexterity, just in his one hand to play without, you know, without picking, just you
0: know, I mean, it's just a it's a, it's a great. All you do is go Steve Vai, and it's, it's like yeah. the most recent
1: thing to put out there. Yeah. Social media.
0: One of those guys that doesn't get the props that he should.
1: Just an artist who's who's talented, but not necessarily popular because we were talking about we touched on it earlier there's a difference between being good and being popular yes just because it's popular doesn't make it good
0: yeah going back one of the things i do remember as part of our whole being lucky to go to those conventions and meeting everybody we met is you (laughs) you you got to meet pink
1: i did actually i I was able to catch her just as she was leaving and get an autograph and chat with her for a second and uh, what a sweetheart. and Such a pretty lady in person. Um, and just a, a very kind heart. Because she stayed late to sign a bunch of autographs. And I, had to, I had to chase her down because I was late to get to it. Yeah, and She was nice. And she's like, I have to go. She goes, okay, right. You know, I'll go ahead and take it. She was nice. I'll take care of it. Yeah, so she was very nice. That and I always loved the fact that we saw Britney Spears before she got.
0: It blows my mind that we never knew that girl was going to be as huge as she was. She, you know, to be a gigantic name brand, you know what I mean? Now she's like. You know a Beyonce or a Madonna or a Cher. It's like Britney. You know who Britney is. You know you don't. You exactly. To... She's
1: yeah. She's joined the cl- uh, the group of one name artists.
0: And I know that she's gotten some attention now for this documentary. Um,
1: I've always been on the say or the uh, Britney team too. The team Britney, getting her dad away from the conservatorship. I mean, it comes a time when you have to stand on your own. And Grant, I know she went through some trials and tribulations. You know, who wouldn't given her her crazy life? Us normal people, they can't understand what the what their life is what those people's lives are like yes and when he shaved her head and get all silly and everything and people thought for sure she was gonna you know, do something drastic more drastic you know it, it, you gotta, sometimes you gotta give these people a break yes now i'm not a huge fan of his speaking of artists like that but just look at justin bieber yeah that poor kid was a star from the time he was like 12 mm-hmm. and going through all these things experiencing all this stuff and now as an adult he seems to have calmed down and kind of has just centered himself and, yeah. you know, and found religion. Made great for him. He has a wife and, you know, and a nice life. And I'm actually happy for him. Instead of becoming a cautionary tale of, yeah. of overdose or drunken suicide, it's nice to see a guy who came out the other end, mm-hmm. a little more heavily tattooed, but I mean, still came out the other end yeah. and has, seems to be the better for it, and still putting out music.
0: And getting you know, more respect now than he did in his early days
1: because now it's his as opposed to manufactured pop music like a lot of you know come on since the days of the jackson five and the osmonds and, you yes. know, and all the boy bands and you know in and all that and, you know Yo, come
0: jackson on boys and you can go on and on and on you know now now we're to the point of we're hey we're, we're
1: uh, pop music so big as manufactured now we're you know importing it from you know korea with bts and
0: all yeah. those and, and it's gonna happen you know you're gonna like anybody says there's no there's no rock and roll out there i'm like yeah, there is. You just gotta go look for it, you know. You like, have to find it. Just like yeah. anything else, you know, um how music changes and it's it's
1: popularity. Look like you know, like I always well, said me being a big heavy metal fan. It mm-hmm. comes and goes where it's, it's it's the biggest thing for a few years and it goes back underground. Yeah. It's still there. Like you said, you have to find it, you have to look for it. You have to Oh yes. You know, if you're a fan you'll 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 find stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there um any other um artists? that stick out that you and like perhaps me that we that we um, met when we were at these conventions i know we got to meet well, fir- really
1: one of my favorites of that same convention was mm-hmm. not only talking with but standing at his feet while he's performed was a, with a flamenco, flamenco guitarist named jesse cook from canada um he almost never tours down the states for some reason um, so he wasn't around and at that time i was i mean i'm still a huge fan but i mean i was
0: mm-hmm. just
1: Enamored with his style, and it was nice to be like, I, it was so funny because when we got to meet him and have him sign stuff, I had all four of his album covers with me. I was like, Here, sign all of these. And sign, <laughs> he graciously signed everything, and I was, you know, I chewed his ear off what a huge fan I was, and how he tore the tape, blah, blah blah blah. And he just nodded and smiled. He was so nice to me. <laughs> rarely ever fanboy out on people because they're just yeah. people like you and your yes. Experience is when you get to have a conversation with a star, yeah. but it's just a conversation. But the, every once in a while, you meet someone that you really like and get oh, yeah. really really nervous with, you know. And then when he did perform, I was pressed up against the stage, at literally at his feet, and mm-hmm. watched him play. And that's one of my one of my greatest memories. To you know, really, we talk about being a music fan and watching your your favorite artist. I mean, literally, almost playing for you because you're so close to him. But I, I, that's up there, and obviously we talked. We touched on Big Bad Rudy, Daddy. Those guys were, yeah. those guys were a blast. Yeah, party band. <laughs>
0: do you remember? Do you remember seeing Fergie? I don't. Wild Orchid.
1: Oh my God, you're right. I forgot. I completely forgot about that.
0: Blows my mind that we saw her before she.
1: In Fergie, you know yeah. I mean, another one name artist. Sarah Ferguson, uh, Yep. The other, the other artist that we met besides was who else? Uh, Vern Troyer.
0: Yes, Vern Troyer. It's right. Yeah.
1: That was uh, that was kind of neat. Um, Before he passed away. That was, a, that was a different. That was the one in Minneapolis that uh, they had the huge autograph sign Yes. That was uh, that was, at, that was national headquarters. That was a huge deal. That's when we had everybody come and. That's when we got to see Blondie. Were you in the elevator with us? Tell
0: people about that story. I was next to freaking Deborah Harry. You know, I'm like, it blows my mind. So bad
1: for she because she didn't
0: want to be noticed. Yeah, because she head down the whole time. She she was trying to
1: melt into that. It was a cool experience for us because we could that we tell that story. Yeah, but I always felt so bad for her because at the same time we were all respectful. No one bothered. Exactly we just we said hey there's different hair okay all right we just kind of let it go and, and she got you know we, we did our thing but after absolutely got out of the elevator like, oh my, oh my god. god
0: yeah we're like i mean that to me is one of my favorite experiences ever because you know i mean obviously she's a legend you know i mean the whole blondie cbgb area and all that you know And
1: picture hanging on my wall near my bathroom ironically enough um of the front facade of cbgb nice yeah, Jeremy brought that back from New York for me. And it hangs, and it hangs right above a canvas of Sgt. Pepper's album cover. So it's kind of a, yeah. you know, this great little music thing happening near my bathroom.
0: Nothing wrong with that, brother. Nothing wrong with that at all.
1: Hey, if you've ever, you ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you've actually...
0: Twice, yeah. yeah. I've been,
1: been there one time, and my, one of my favorite things is that if you go to the men's room at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, when you walk out, there's the
0: topless photo of Janice Joplin. I don't think I... I don't know if I ever went in there, <laughs> but that no, that place, that place is like a whole day thing when you go there, man. It's like.
1: Well, it Shelly and I went years ago, and we went, and yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff. I guess I it was different from what I expected, but I still have lots of good memories of what I saw and the things I learned there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: They just announced the other day that Red Rocks is going to be open this year. Only 2,500 people. That's significantly lower than the 9,500 when it's a packed house. You know, at least it's something, and I, you know, because I miss live music like we all do. Um, yeah. But I'm looking forward to more concert experiences with my daughter because now that my daughter is older. Um, you know, Lily's, yeah. She's 15 now. Yeah, and she and she and and she has her own taste in music. She doesn't just listen to what mom and dad listens to. But she likes some of mom's. She likes more of dad's. she's more on my side of music, but she likes all the music. And then she has stuff that she found has found in her own, which I find amazing. And yeah. she turns me on to stuff, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to more live music experience with her. Go there, you know, they enjoy those concerts. and oh, you know, yeah. There's nothing like that.
0: We so, were like, we were, we were fortunate enough to get tickets to shows that. We had great seats and then sometimes we are able to meet people. Was there anybody that stood out from that time period to actually get, get to see live and maybe possibly meet?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, there's several. I mean, we were lucky enough working in the, you know, the record stores and, and, meeting, and meeting the reps, the, the label reps and such, that we fostered good relationships. So we were, you know, that, that's where that came in. I mean, there were, there were times during the concert season, we'd see 15, 20 shows and not pay for one. Unbelievable. Those so were lucky. You know, and yeah, so I mean, and not only do, like you said, not only do we get to go to these shows and usually have good seats, we got to meet and hang out with these artists a lot of times. Just because, yeah, that was you know, talk about a special time. I think two really come to mind. One was meeting Tony Bennett. The man's a man's a living legend. Meeting and shaking his hand and getting to chat with him for a few minutes was amazing. It's still one of my favorite memories and. Also, after I was done, I stood back and watched him work because he had a whole line of people that he was signing autographs and chatting with. And he was so nice, so personable, and took the time to really spend a quality minute or two with these people, you know? And it wasn't just the old, you know, hi, what's your name? Okay, thanks. Hey, thanks for coming. And moving on, he would, hi, did you enjoy the show? And, you know, ask different questions. And he, a consummate professional. And if anybody, not, not that anybody has the right to blow off or marginalized fans and people who like them, but I mean, anybody right, who might have the be allowed to is someone like him, like a Sinatra or a Bennett, mm-hmm. or those, those huge people who paid their dues. He could have not signed autographs at all and yeah. talked to people, but he did, and that, that's you know. But see, he showed what a professional is like, and he you know, said so taking the time and really making that moment special for me and for everybody else in that line. Yeah. So that you know, that's that's huge. That I got to hang out with Corn when they were just starting out. Like, I mean that was and they, they was on their first album, their small venue, they actually were opening um for KMFDM. And after the show, and after the show we got to hang out and it was funny oh, yeah. we were, yeah, we were yeah, we were remarking, you know, they were they were on the label we, were, we knew the label worked very well. And we were and we were remarking it was kinda of funny, we we're all standing in a circle and it was me and Monkey and Head and this DJ from a local radio station, and I think somebody else. And we had every single part, every single facet of the music industry right there in that circle. We had the people who made the music, we had the people who sold the music, we had the people who played the music on the radio all standing around in this circle of BSing, just, you know, talking about different things. When you meet these people, sometimes you don't actually even talk about music. You talk other things, Spent a half an hour talking with Zach Wilde about video games. That was with Pride and Glory, that was pre, you know, pre-Black Label. You talk about the different different experiences we've had over the years, there's some that just it's so amazing, I mean, just to, to look back now and appre- really appreciate that time, being able to do those things. Now I kind of placate myself with the pop culture cons. How I do those. To meet to meet people, I have to go to the cons and spend a little money. No, money. you've
0: been to a lot of them, and you've I've followed That's you funny. on that. You get to go with Lily. Lily dresses up and everything.
1: Yeah, she's, she's a cosplayer. I just yeah. like to attend. But no. I mean, it's just fun to look back on these things, and you know, those are memories. And it's nice that a large portion not everybody's nice. Not everybody is as gracious as you'd hope, but most people are. You I'm sure you've met a lot of people as well. Mm-hmm. And you, I think hopefully you agree that a large percentage of the people you've met are good people. They yes. are nice. They do yes. treat their fans well. Occasionally you get the hey, what's your name? Okay, or if they even ask your name, they sign a thing and you get pushed aside kind of thing. Yeah. But it's very yeah. rare. I have to say, you know, most people in the industry are very nice.
0: Yeah we got to live during um, one of one of the greatest moments, I think, popular music. You know that's the reason why I've created this whole podcast is because i I fueled you know when I was younger than my love of music, and then as I you know got older, and then to get a job like you in the industry and just to be able to have all of those experiences and all the different situations and and make all these friends and have these relationships years from now is yes. it's a great thing to have man i mean like like we said i mean it's it's easily been you know with us 25 years or more you know i mean to, to oh, easily
1: yeah more yeah, than that probably yeah. and, it, and it's fun because and i still have connections to the music industry uh, my cousin he's like a second cousin i'm not really close i don't want to you know make it sound like oh my, he's family he's the guitar player for a heavy middle band out of arizona called sacred reich while he earned that the guitar player he's my cousin mm-hmm. um and I love those guys. I'm, I'm a fan of the band anyway. But yeah, I have yeah. That and there's another band out there. Their current, the new, the newest band is called The Skull. Um, uh-huh. Doom metal out of Chicago. Uh, actually, Mere, created out of the remnants of a, a seminal band out of Chicago named Trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. The bass player's name is Ron Holzner. Him and I went to high school together, so we're close. Anytime, every time they come to town, I go see them, and it's funny because there's fans. We're like, oh, that's Ron Hosner I'm like, ah, this is Ron. I, yeah. I mean, every time I see, every time we get together, I'm like, hey, what's up, rockstar star? I, I tease him all the time. He's, yeah. he's a great guy, and a good artist, and um, I recommend anybody that's out there go out and find the Skulls two albums. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic doom metal in the in that Black Sabbath vein. Uh, they've been you know, they've been doing it a long time, and they're. say so you can go and look up Trouble early stuff. But definitely seminal uh, rock and roll out of Chicago.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, now we're going to get into something. Uh... I like doing with everybody here. It's been a few podcasts where I've been able to kind of like see, but you're definitely one of these guys that probably a mess load of stuff that you can say. Uh, do you have a favorite song?
1: No, I have, song, I have favorite songs. I mean, I think every, probably every album I own has yeah. a favorite
0: song. Can you name like uh, maybe, well, this is going to be a hard one too, and then a couple favorite albums of yours? So maybe something that wouldn't be in somebody's normal like best of albums. Like, name a couple yeah. albums that you think that people should check out that throughout your lifetime have been like some of the best albums
1: there's certain albums that yeah i come back to and i play quite often i love i love uh, one of my i call them desert island albums actually okay uh one of those is uh the fix reach the beach mm-hmm. great album yeah the fix reach the beach that's when that i had one thing leads to another and saved yep. by zero it had, had the hits on it but that entire album every song on there is excellent uh, that's up there uh songs for the deaf um definitely i love that album uh, I talk about going back to a Dave Grohl moment. He makes that album. That's from uh, Queens of the Stone Age.
0: Yep, yep, yes. Oh, I know that. Um, I have that.
1: Yeah, so now I, I go back to that album every every few weeks. I play, or every month or so, I play that album. Spots album. I um, love that, that. That's a good. That's a good album to check into. Yeah, I, I probably have a list. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, and a seminal album from me growing yeah. up, and I still listen to the band UFO. Their their live mm-hmm. album, "Strangers in the Night," uh, an, 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 an unparalleled live '70s slice of time album. Happened to be recorded in Chicago, which is ironic. <laughs> um, but, it, it's, but, it, but it sounds good, and the performance is fantastic. Michael Shanker is unbelievable on that album. Yes. Phil Moe's vocals are right on point. I mean, it's just one of those great live albums. So if you're a fan of that band and you never heard that, I highly recommend listening to that.
0: What was uh, you and Shailene's uh, wedding song?
1: A Love Will Build a Bridge by the Judds. Or Love Can Build a Bridge by the Judds. But with different ones. She's a huge dranny. Um, mm-hmm. So we talked about maybe using Save a Prayer. That, that was almost on there. you I don't think we met yet when Philly and I got married, right? Were we were, were friends yet? Um, I don't think so.
0: I know. I, she, she was the first manager I worked for when I moved to Colorado. We worked at Musicland okay. together. I'm not sure. When was your marriage? Was it after the store shut down or before? Well, mm-hmm. I have
1: 1994. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because even though you're coming up, we're coming up on 27 years married, um, people to this day talk about our wedding. Partially because we had great music. We had a good DJ, and we were told to play a good variety. I mean, come on, we played a Hobo, Hump and By Whale? Yes. We we played that at our wedding reception. Awesome. And so we had stuff like that. I mean, we played everything, all the standard, the hokey pokey. But then we played you know Whale. And then we played uh, the very last song. We happened to get married on a Friday. The very last song was The Cure, Friday I'm in Love. Mm. You know, So that just shows the, the touch of our DJ who... Who knew what he was doing? But people still talk about our wedding. How much fun they had! Open bar helps, by the way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're just not getting a wedding. You're getting a concert.
1: (laughs) Being a DJ and a music fan, when I go to other weddings, I was like, I was always very hypercritical of other DJs because when I DJ, I always had a meeting with the people intended to find out what they wanted what they liked and you know even if i played the gamut when i did weddings, i played tones on tails for a couple different weddings because they wanted oh cottonmouth kings that was one of the craziest ones i ever got a request for (laughs) you know playing at a wedding you know it's okay but if that's what you know you want to make the people happy because like we talk about music makes you happy hey it's your wedding day you want to play what you want
0: well it's funny that you say this i got this story and i'm you know, if my brother uh, ever listens to this, he says he doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> um, I'm gonna get him right now. Is that at my sister's wedding? I still have this photo, like tucked away. It's a, a hilarious photo too. Is that at my sister's wedding? He had the DJ p- play Roland by Limp Biscuit. and like, Bizkit, yeah. yeah, and him and his buddies are all doing like the hands things and everything, and like just you know, and and I, I have this photo of him going like, "Get up, get down, you know," and just it's oh god, it's. Weddings are great. Weddings are such a great time.
1: Oh, sure, because it's, it's a happy occasion. You know, mm-hmm. You're doing a little drinking, so your guard is down. You get talked into going down the dance floor. So what are you going to do? I mean, you got to do something. So, yeah, it's...
0: What was your first concert?
1: Ted Nugent, the Weekend Warriors tour. What year was that? At, at the Aragon Ballroom in Chicago. I don't even know if it still exists anymore. Yeah, it I'm does. I,
0: I still see stuff get posted for that, yeah.
1: We used to call it the Brawl Room, because that was... This is pre... Who in Cleveland? um, So there was allowed um, a general admission was still allowed. So Mm -hmm. that's what it was. You know what they called savage seating back in the day, where you bought tickets, you got there early, you rushed to get your seat. Yes. Um, So that was a fantastic show too.
0: Do you have a favorite concert?
1: I I have a few. I have a few bucket list concerts that I was lucky enough to to see. I got to see uh, The Wall performed live, uh, Roger Waters' version, but still, it was still The Wall as The Wall being built and all the the whole theatrical version of it. Um, That was fantastic. Um, that's probably one. That's definitely way up there. I got to see uh, Def Leppard in the round, the one that they recorded. I was at that show somewhere. You can't. <laughs> to, I was there. Yeah. Um, actually, you can see one of our buddies. Rance is actually visible in one of the videos. So,
0: who would you like to see? Who's you know? You talked about bucket list. Name a couple people you'd like to see.
1: Well, I'm sorry to say, I wish I would have got to see Zeppelin when they were still alive, still together. Even or even if they got together now with you know, with Jason on drums, I would love, love to see that. My, I actually have I have a, a show that I would love I don't know if it could be impossible anymore but I'd love to see Peter Gabriel and Genesis tour together um, that would be that I've got I would pay hundreds of hundreds of dollars to see that show because in my mind I would, you know how I see it play out is that Peter Gabriel opens because he's the solo artist and then Genesis comes out and does their show but then for an encore Gabriel comes out and they do all this old-school you know, pre and then there were three stuff. You know, all the all the early Genesis when Gabriel was in the band. That's yeah. how I see it playing out. I would that I would love that would be the one
0: show I love to see. Yeah. A newer friend of mine that is like a huge huge uh, Genesis fan. This is like becoming in a pattern. Who is a producer that you appreciate? Well,
1: Rick Rubin, of course. I mean, he kind of the guy. The guys, a legend in the industry. Look at who he's touched. I mean, everywhere from Johnny Cash to the Beastie Boys. You know, so I mean, you got to give him props. Uh, I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. Oh God. He produced. Uh, he produced Sacred Reich and Alice in Chains. Uh, Dave Jordan. Cool. Yeah, he, I think he. Um, guy. And, and I think he did a Danzig album as well. I mean, he, oh He was very artist. I mean, and he can't talk producers. You know, the nut job himself, Phil Spector. You know. Yeah. I mean, the guy was. The guy was. You know, he. He had his own way of doing things and seeing life. But he was definitely a unique character for that time frame. Yes. Even some of the later stuff. What an ear. Yes. You know, because I, I have a big affinity for producers, mm-hmm. you know, because if you find an album that sounds a certain way, that it has a certain sound, okay, you can give the credit to the musicians, but you got to go look to who cobbled that together, yeah. who presented it a certain way, you know, and after all, that's all the producer, that's the guy, he, he's yep. the man of the plan, he's the guy who says this album's going to sound this way, um, Korn's Issues album. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favorite albums is probably one of the most claustrophobic albums you'll ever hear, and that's that's intentional. One of the first times I really something that caught my ear like that was uh, NXS's "Listen Like Thieves" album.
0: Oh gosh, great album!
1: And, but but but, a great, well-produced
0: album. That's the other thing. Some of yeah. the albums sound good, but there's certain albums that are just elevated because of the way they're produced, and that's one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any album art you remember, or you still this day like sticks out to you?
1: Uh, the, the, my two my two favorites are the ones I think everybody talks about is uh, you know Derek Riggs, you know all the Iron Maiden cover art all the way from the original album all the way up until now. You know even until was it the Book of Souls was the most recent thing, and then all the Frank Frazetta stuff for Molly Hatchet. You, see, you talk about introducing a generation to fantasy art, mm-hmm. you know was was molly hatchet with you know the Death dealer on their first album that was you know frazetta all their stuff had the frazetta work which led into people looking up boris who was very boris vallejo was also very frank frazetta-esque you know but i I think those two are the those are the two yeah i mean all the yes albums covers too were very like tales from a topographical ocean fragile. all those those are those are some interesting i'll I'll tell you this real quick since we're talking about hopefully you can see that in the Yeah, and that's an autograph, Derek Rake autographed uh, card that I got when I was at Colorado Springs. He happened to be at the Comic Con. I didn't even know he was there. I was there to meet other stars like William Shatner and some other people who happened to be there. I was walking along, and there's a whole booth with Eddie on there. Of course, being an Iron Maiden fan, an Eddie fan, I I did a double take and I looked and I'm like, is he here? Sure enough, he was sitting there chatting you know, and signing autograph stuff. So I got to spend a few minutes chatting him up and get an autograph. And yeah, you know, being an Iron Maiden fan, that, I love that. that. That thing is framed and sitting on my office wall.
0: Is there any photos that stick out to you, part of rock history? You know,
1: um, nine inch nails full of mud at the uh, one of the later the later Woodstocks. Yeah. Uh, performing while they're just caked in mud. Old Trent Renzernist. That's a good one. You know, and then I, I always like the sometimes you see them on Facebook and stuff they pop up. I love when you see artists together mm-hmm. that you wouldn't think new like when you see a picture of like David Bowie talking to Lemmy talking to uh, you know, Sinatra or something, the three of them like having a conversation somewhere. I love photos like that,
0: and I always think of the one where uh, where Jimmy Page is just. Chugging the Jack Daniels bottle and shit, but no, I I love album Martin. and I love. So we talked about you know your your work. We talked about your musical past and everything like that. And is there anything that you want to promote that maybe w- that you're thinking of that's out there that you want to kind of promote and kind of get out there and talk about for a couple minutes? I, I threw
1: that out there a little bit with the, you know the band the Skull. I said I'm a huge fan, but not because because you know my buddy's the bass player. But I'm a a huge fan of the music. Trouble, the band Trouble, the original band, which is out of Chicago, they were one of the first of their kind as far as doing that style of music or really promoting that style of music. My friend was not an original original member. He came along with their self-titled album, which was produced by Rick Rubin, which is huge. And it's a fantastic album. I I mean, I bought it and listened to it because my friend was in the band. Just check it out. But because of that, I fell in love with the band and their music. Now, ironically, as time went on, they they still had a pretty decent career and toured the world and such. But then the band kind of broke up. The lead singer uh, Eric Wagner he went off and started his own band called uh, Blackfinger, which is also pretty good. They have a pretty decent album. And then uh, Ron himself went off to do a couple different projects. He worked with Dave from St. Vitus, who's also under very another another very seminal Chicago band. And then he had his other another band called Earth and Grave. Very also a very good album, different, different group of people, but similar vein of style of music. And ironically, what had happened with those guys is that Eric with his band, Blackfinger, and Ron with his band, Earth and Grave, would be on the same tours of like, Doom festivals, you know. Okay. So, of course, fans of Trouble would say, Hey, you guys should do some stuff together. Why don't you do a couple of Trouble songs? No, you know, their bands are kind of, their fans would egg them on and do these things. Yeah. So, everyone, wow, they would. And they found out they really enjoyed playing together again. So, what had happened, The Skull, which is actually named for a
0: Trouble album, started off as a tribute band to their old band. They played all, all the
1: old Trouble stuff to begin with because that's what the fans wanted, you know. So, they were giving the fans what they wanted and enjoying themselves. But ultimately, as most musicians do, as they play together, they started writing their, original, their own stuff. So, that, so they have two albums called uh, For Those Which Are Asleep, The uh, the Endless Road Turns Dark. Those are two the two full-length albums. Mm-hmm. Both so well done, very well written. Eric Wagner's a very good songwriter. He's a very unique vocal style. And uh, their guitar player, Lothar Keller, he played in a few other Doom, Doom bands. I can't remember the other band he was in. He's a fantastic guitar player. Really brings a lot of good tone and you know, uh, very good lead work as well. I'm a fan of their music, so I want to see them get a little more attention.
0: I love when you get shouts out, you know, especially when it's uh, music. Well, I wanted to thank you, uh, Jack, for doing this today, man. This, this is, I, okay, I think... I've, I'm looking
1: forward to it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um I've been talking with Jack Miller and um, you've been listening to Music Seeds and I really appreciate uh, you stepping in here and having a great conversation with me, Mr. Miller. And uh, hope hey, to do for
1: having me. I appreciate your time. It's just fun. It's always fun to talk music.
0: Yeah, and I hope to I hope we get to do this again. It'd be a great thing to do. Uh,
1: I I want to say any time, but yeah, let's schedule it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Hi, this is Johnny, I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds, the music that made us.